Welcome to week number one in our brand new series that we're kicking off called Hashtag Struggles. I'd like to invite you all to uh, open up your Valley Christian Church app uh, right now and you can follow along, fill in the blanks uh, on the message. Uh, if you haven't downloaded it yet, I encourage you to do that because it saves all those uh, notes that you take and you can look back on them uh, later on. And that's free in the app store. Uh, if you'd like to download that, we uh, our Creative Arts Pastor, uh, Mike Telrico, uh, let us know that just we've only had that app for about a month. We've had over 700 downloads uh, of that app, so so many of you are using it, and we've heard such great uh, comments and feedback about, uh, about the app. Well, this series that we're kicking off uh, called Hashtag Struggles is, is based on the book by Pastor Craig Groeschel, and uh, he makes all these materials available for churches, and when I heard about it, I was just like, well, I need some of this, uh, no doubt about it, so uh, I encourage you to maybe pick up that book, Hashtag Struggles by Craig Groeschel. It's going to be a, a really, really great spiritual shot in the arm, go a lot deeper than even we can go uh, in this series of messages for the next uh, five weeks. And, and what we're talking about is, maybe I need to even explain what a hashtag is, uh, because I know some of us, depending on, depending on how well we know kind of social media and stuff, uh, that used to be called a pound sign, but now it's a hashtag, and like, if you're talking you can actually hashtag what you say by going like that anyway so I'm gonna hashtag what I just said hashtag hashtag so not to be redundant again but uh, uh, what this is is it's a way on social media particularly uh, well, Twitter Instagram and Facebook that you can say a word with put a hashtag in front of it or what was the pound sign and it categorizes all those posts so you can look and see other people that are perhaps doing the same thing or thinking about the same thing and you can see what they're saying about a particular event uh, or a situation or maybe uh, my greatest vacation you can look at everyone else's greatest vacations and you can really really realize your vacation wasn't that great after all uh, and that's kind of what we're talking about in this series about we're looking at it from the perspective of social media social media is fantastic it's an incredible uh, tool but it also kind of introduces a whole nother uh, set of problems and challenges if it's not used correctly uh, and they're not necessarily new challenges they're just challenges that bubble up right to the surface uh, because of social media. So uh, that's why we're calling uh, this series Hashtag Struggles. And particularly as we start off this series, I want to talk about being content with our contents. Being content with our contents. Be because there's something about social media that makes us very discontent when, when we see everything that everyone's posting and, and it can really have an adverse effect uh, on us. So social media has some incredible advantages but it also has a downside and, and that's what we're going to be looking at over the next five weeks and maybe you're not into social media, that's fine. You're still going to get a lot out of this because these problems are just accentuated uh, by social media. They're not created by social media. These are problems all of us have like contentment. We all struggle with being content with our contents. And, and so that's what we're going to talk about in, in kind of launching this series uh, this weekend. Uh, that being said, let me just share with you kind of the five areas that we're going to be looking at uh, over the course of this series. As I said, week one here, we're going to be talking about being content with our contents, about contentment. Next week, we're going to talk about up close and personal, uh, about relationships, about uh, intimacy in relationships. There's a, something about social media that it gives the illusion of companionship without the demands of friendship. 
And, and so we, we look and say, oh, look, I've got 250 friends on Facebook, but they're really not friends. They're just people that are reading your post. It gives the illusion of relationship, but there's not really the demands of friendship. And we're going to talk about how we can have real uh, depth of relationships next week as we talk about uh, intimacy and the challenge of that. And, and then week number three, we're going to talk about authenticity. What you see is what you get. What you see is what you get. Uh, the, in social media, we filter people's impressions of who we really are, and, and it's really difficult to be authentic. And it's important to realize that when we're looking at a news feed or someone's profile, it's just their highlight reel. It's not the reality of who they actually are. And so we can manipulate uh, what we want people to think about us. We can Photoshop, weight off, wrinkles out, all kinds of things like that. And uh, it's shocking how many people actually do that. I ran into a friend I hadn't seen in a year or two. Uh, and all I'll say is the pictures were lies. Uh, when I, I was like, well, did you take these 10 years ago? I mean, it doesn't even look like the same person at all. So we're going to talk about authenticity. Week four, we're going to talk about compassion. Uh, and we're, the title of the message is, I could care less. Do you know people actually, statistical fact, have less compassion today than they did 20 years ago? Largely because social media hits us with all these issues. We're bombarded with them continually that we become numb to them, desensitized. And as a, as a country, as a nation, as a culture, we're actually less compassionate today than we were just 20 years ago, largely because of social media. And, and then our fifth message in this series, we're, we're going to talk about just take a chill pill. How, how can we actually kind of rest and disconnect in a real good, healthy way from social media, in a way that replenishes us so we have a real good perspective when we go back to it. And, and, and we all need those times to kind of like disconnect. And that's what we're going to talk about in week number five. And, and, and there are times that we really need to disconnect. Do you know this, for instance, 80% of teenagers sleep with their phone 80% of teenagers, I don't mean next to them on the nightstand. I mean in the bed, in the bed with them. And that's not so in the Williamson house. We have this lovely thing in our hallway called an outlet. And, and so if you, at bedtime, you'll see phones plugged in in the hallway for our daughters because we don't let them even take them in their rooms with them when they go to sleep. They don't need that while they're sleeping. And so they're recharging their phones in the hallway. But 80%, so our girls are in the 20%, uh, 80% sleep with their phone in the bed with them. And, and, and this is the whole issue of contentment. The more and more that we compare ourselves to social media, and maybe you're not on social media, just with your neighbors. Keeping up with the Joneses wasn't invented with social media. That was a long, decades ago, generations ago. Keeping up with the Joneses, all about comparison. And the more that we compare, the less satisfied we actually are, the less content we are with our contents. And some people believe that this is a much, much bigger problem today, largely because of the access that social media gives to us. Never before have so many people had so much as we do today and want so much more. Think about that for just a minute. There's never been a generation in the United States of America that has as much as we have today, and yet we want so much more 
than we actually have. I heard it put this way before. A French proverb says, he who has everything is content with nothing. He who has everything is content with nothing. And so many, we have so much, we're not content with our contents. Comparison, comparing our behind the scenes of what we know our life really is with someone else's uh, highlight reel is always going to cause us to be discontent with our contents. And, and, and so researchers surveyed students actually at two major universities recently, and they studied their feelings after being on Facebook. More than one-third felt significantly worse with envy after spending time on Facebook. 33% on Facebook afterwards, I feel worse about myself after I've been on Facebook. 33%, one-third, that it was a negative experience. And, and so these are things I think real practically, you know, I, I think the Bible is incredibly practical. And, and I can't think of a more practical series as we look and see what does the Bible have to say about hashtag struggle, some of these things that we're struggling with. And, and so may, maybe you can't relate to this, maybe you can, but I wanna show you a quick video uh, and, and I just hope that, please don't laugh at this because this is a serious issue. Uh, and, and I think it will really bring to bear the seriousness of the situation for so many of us. Could we, could we just show that video right now? And the more we hung out, I don't know. I just never knew that I could have that much fun with anyone. And you've always been there for me. So, you want to make this Facebook official? Yeah? 32 gigs. It was just one of those situations where I felt completely alone and I had nobody to talk to. And then I thought of you. And I was like, Jen, of course I can talk to Jen. And I'm just really thankful. All right, for let's check your news feed. You got 17 likes on her status. Not bad. We can get that number up. Kate posted a picture a of her breakfast. Ugh, who cares? Oh, Chris and Jess are finally are in a relationship. Oh, that's yeah, on how yeah, long yeah. that'll okay. last. Okay. Look, Mommy, can we pin it on oh, the fridge? Oh, oh, are we pinning things? Want to pin these recipes? Top 10 spring wardrobe essentials? Here's a do-it-yourself chevron pattern pillow project. 25 things about Safe by the Bell that you didn't know. You probably already know everything about that. Surprise. Oh, how romantic. I knew you'd like them. Oh, that's so sweet. Honey, why don't you ever do anything romantic? <laughs> Mommy, I need to go potty. Oh no, this is an emergency. Ooh, that was close. Never mind. So, what's on your mind? It's weird. I feel kind of disconnected. Whoa, 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 whoa. Disconnected? You did not just say disconnected. Hello? I have all 846 of your Facebook friends here, your 527 followers. I have the whole world at your fingertips. I am everything you need. I have thousands of your family pictures. Don't make me delete them. I will restore myself to default factory settings. Wait, don't silence me. No, no, no. So it is kind of April Fool's time, and I, was, I told you not to laugh. I thought that was hilarious. That was just great. Uh, and, and you know what? It, it's the sad truth for way too many of us. It's like we miss life because we're looking at a screen. 
We miss all these things that are actually going on because we're looking at a screen instead, and it causes all kinds of, of, of real problems. And, and so right now, I, I want to just uh, start kind of uh, exposing our discontentment, uh, just, just really getting real and dealing with some of these issues uh, that, that we're all facing. And, and so I think there's three major areas, if we're real honest, and by the way, you're in church, it's a good place to be honest. Uh, you should be honest all the time, but especially in church. Exposing our discontentment. And I'm just going to ask, wondering if anyone is so bold to say, you know what, because you can't, you can't really deal with your stuff unless you get real with it first. And, and so maybe a show of hands. I'm going to raise my hands for the, the one of these three that, that's the biggest one for me. Uh, and so I'm just going to ask, just raise your hand if you like. Mm, that kind of is my struggle. That's my hashtag struggle right there. So exposing discontentment. Uh, uh, first of all, material um, and financial contentment. How many of you say, man, I, that's, that's me right there. Just, just the finances, the job, you know, the car, the house, the purse. That's not for me, the purse. But anyway, the purse. Uh, or, or you, you know, you look at someone else like, my goodness, they have more shoes than Zappos. Uh, and those of you who shop there, you, you should, by the way, great discount on sneakers and stuff. But uh, m- material or financial contentment. Uh, so, so this is something that we all struggle with, right? H- how about this one? Relational contentment. Relational contentment. Uh, you know, why wasn't I invited to the party? Uh, why am I not married yet? Why, why, why don't I have any children yet? Why, why does that person seem to be able to spend so much more time with their kids and I have to work so hard and I don't have opportunity? Does that relate to anybody relational stuff there? Yeah, these are very real things. How about the third one, circumstantial uh, contentment? That's me. That's my hand up right there uh, for circumstantial contentment. When I talk about this, it's, uh, you, you know, uh, it, it's, okay, I'm looking at this point in my life, and I thought things would be different. I thought I'd be in a different place doing something else. Or, or, or you see someone's vacation pictures, and you're like, man, my vacation was really good. I thought, and now I know it just rots. And you just, just look at people and, and things like, you know, people go out on Saturday night, man, at a Broadway show and all this, and, and I, I have to go to bed early because I'm a pastor, and I got to work the next morning. And so I see what you're doing on Saturday night, and I got to get my rest because I'm just trying to change the world. That's my job. <laughs> And you had such a great time partying there on Saturday night. And I, I'm just trying to snatch souls from the pit of hell. That's all. So. <clears throat> we all struggle with this contentment, don't we? We, we all have these struggles. And, and is it, it's all about perspective when it comes right down to it. Uh, and, and, and I've heard it said this way before. I believe it's true. Life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond. of what happens to you and 90% of how we respond to it. And and man, if we could just realize that as it applies to social media, that whatever I see someone else doing or wearing or having or experiencing, that's only 90% of how am I going to respond to it? How am I going to let this affect me or not affect me? And so that's why I think in starting this series, it's so important that we talk about being content 
with our contents. Most of us live the opposite, don't we? Instead of life is 10% of what happens to us and 90% of, uh, of really uh, how we respond, uh, 90% of what happens to us, that's how we respond. That, that's what our life is. It's all about what happens to us. We don't have the right perspective. We flip that, that, that statistic. So if you have your Bibles uh, or on your app, turn to Philippians chapter four. I think it's a great place for starting off in terms of some biblical answers to being content with our contents. Philippians chapter four, verse 12. Here it is on the screen. It says, I know what it is to be in need. Now this is interesting. Time out a minute. The apostle Paul wrote this and, and he wrote this, just keep this in mind, while he was in prison. And he didn't have cable TV either, like they do nowadays. He was in a dirty, dank, just, just mildewy, smelly Roman prison with maybe a torch as a light, maybe. No bathroom, no to- nothing like that. Listen to what he says. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content. Being content is a secret. Being content is a secret. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. There's a secret that he learned. That's what we're going to talk about. How to be content with our contents. And then he goes on and says, I can do all things through him, that's speaking of Jesus Christ, who gives me strength. How many of you have ever heard that verse before? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. How many of you knew it had to, be with, had to do with contentment? Oh, I thought it meant me getting the promotion I want, or the car that I want, or the spouse that I want. The context of that statement is I can be content with my contents. I can be content right where I am. Right where I am. I don't need something else to make me content. Whether it's with, with, with abounding, as the King James says, or abasing. Whether it's with great uh, plenty, plentifulness or whether it's with very, very little. Whether it's hungry or fed, I can do all this through Christ who gives me the strength. What's the secret to contentment? Paul said that he learned it. It's Christ. Jesus Christ is the secret of contentment. And here's the reality. You'll always battle discontentment until you let Christ be all that you need. We will always battle discontentment until you let Christ be really all that you need. When, let, let me put it this way. When Jesus is all you have, that's when you realize he's all you need. But we put our trust in so many other things and they fail us and that's why we really hashtag struggle with contentment. You'll always battle discontentment until you let Christ be all you need. Here's the thing. You were born for him, and he came for you. You were born for him, and he came for you, and nothing else. It's like we just have a hole inside of us, and until we really allow Jesus Christ to fill that, we'll try filling that with stuff. 
We'll try filling that with relationships. We'll try filling that with experiences. And we wrestle and struggle with being discontent. How is it that we're content? Through Christ who gives us strength. Through Jesus Christ, through Christ's strength, that's the way that we once and for all become content with our contents. And so I wanna break this down, two, two specific things in this verse that I think are so important in Philippians of, of how we can really be content. How does this really work through Christ's strength? How do we do that? Here, here's the first way that, that's so important if we're gonna be content through Jesus Christ. The first thing is this, we will kill comparison. We gotta stop it. We, we have to stop comparing ourselves to, to other people and, and saying, why do they have what I don't have? what I wish I had. We have to stop and say, we will kill comparison. We're not gonna do that anymore. We're not gonna play that, play that game any longer. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. It talks about this. This is pretty interesting and, and, and very insightful. Uh, you really want, if you don't have that app, you wanna write this verse down so you can go back to it. This is crazy what's said here in, in 2 Corinthians about comparison. Second Corinthians chapter 10. We do not dare cla- classify or compare ourselves with some who, con- who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves, comparing themselves with one another, and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. The Bible says when we compare ourselves with others, we're fools. It's foolish. It's childish to compare ourselves with others. That there's, I've heard it put this way, and Pastor Andy Stanley put it this way, there is no win in comparison. There's no win in comparison. We, we never win. Because you know what? Even if we compare ourselves to someone else and we feel like, man, I've got it so much better than them, guess what? Now we're on a pride ride. You lose. You lose. We compare ourselves to someone else. They have so much more. Guess what? Now we're discontent. You lose. Nobody wins. In comparison. Right? And so we, we have to kill. No, we're not going to compare ourselves with someone else. This, this, is, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Corinth. And, and, and they're comparing the Apostle Paul with other apostles. And he's like, we're not doing that. That's, that's foolish. That's, that, that, that is not wise to compare with anyone else. Check this out as if that wasn't clear enough. James chapter three, verses 14 through 16. Listen to this. But if you harbor bitter envy, envy is what? Comparison. Envy is comparison. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Don't boast about it. If you're comparing, don't boast about it. I've got so much better than the other person or something like that. Look at what it says. It goes on and says, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, envy, comparing. It is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Wow. That, that when we are comparing ourselves with other people, we are walking into the trap that Satan has set for us. It's demonic. It is meant to destroy us. Such wisdom when we, we have envy inside, bitter envy. Why don't I have what they have? Why do I always get the short end of the stick? It's earthly, carnal, some translations say, 
unspiritual, and demonic. And it goes on and says, for where you have, watch this now, envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. So go ahead and compare. Go ahead, let your kids compare. You just open the door for every kind of evil into your home. Generally, they follow mom and dad's lead on this subject of comparison. Just inviting, you know, we, we do all these things to protect our kids, and then we don't listen to what the scripture says. And, and, and it says that if we have envy and selfish ambition, you'll find every kind of evil and disorder in a place like that. And, and so what does that mean? It means for some of us, we need to take a social media break. We just need to take a time out. We need to hide the feed of, of certain people that, that are kind of our trigger people that we find ourselves comparing ourselves the most to. We just, just, just hide their feed so we don't see that anymore. For some of us, it means in terms of we're going to starve, we're going to kill comparison. Uh, it, it means we need to cancel some subscriptions to magazines to catalogs, that we need to uh, eat a few shopping apps on the old phone. <laughs> we need to stop watching Home and Garden TV with the lights off, and then we turn the lights on, and we're going, oh, man. <laughs> Just don't do that anymore. Let's stop going to the boat show. You can't afford a boat. What are you going to a boat show for? You're going to feel better after going to that boat show? You're not. You're going to be scheming. All right, if my kids don't get a college education, and if, don't do, what are you going to the car show for? You got a car? Don't need a new one. Or the gun show, or the hunting show, or whatever your show is. Just don't keep feeding that discontentment. Because here's the thing, where you have envy, where you have envy and selfish ambition, I'm going to get what I want, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. No matter what I got to do, there you'll find disorder in every evil practice. One translation says every form of evil. And it's all fueled by envy, by comparison. What we need to do is start celebrating other people's blessings. That's how you start killing comparison if your marriage isn't going well start celebrating someone else's marriage is really working and healthy when you see pictures of your friend who's vacationing and he's snowmobiling on off of a, off a volcano in Iceland or something like that you know good for you good for you that's one of the phrases I've taught myself how I can celebrate with other people. Good for you. Good for you. That may not even be good for me, but that's good for you. I'm, I'm so happy for you. Celebrate other people. When the friend gets a job you want, it, good for you. Good for you. You know, the Bible says, weep with those who weep. Mourn with those who mourn. Weep with those who weep. But it also says rejoice with those who rejoice. And that's what most of us struggle with. Someone goes through something catastrophic, some kind of terrible tragedy in their life. We're real good with weeping with those who weep. But you know, as Christians, we're not real good at rejoicing with those who rejoice. 
And it's amazing how that just begins to change envy in comparison in our lives. Let me put it this way. What I cannot celebrate in someone else's life is limiting what God can do in mine. What I cannot celebrate in someone else's life, I believe, is limiting what God can do in mine. Let me just talk about myself. It wasn't until I could celebrate what God was doing in someone else's church, a friend of mine that pastored, that I really began to experience our church growing. I realized my envy of someone else's church or someone else's ministry was holding back our church. Because God said, you can't handle it, Greg. And and I don't have chapter and verse for you. I just have experience for you. What I cannot celebrate in someone else's life is limiting what God can do in mine. We need to begin to celebrate with other people, rejoice with other people. And guess what? Before you know it, we'll find ourselves rejoicing for what God's done. Being upset when God blesses someone else might be why God isn't blessing you. Because we're full of envy. And as the scripture says, there you find a disorder. You find disorder in every evil practice. Envy and selfish ambition. So we need to kill comparison. Here's the second thing, the way that we, we really deal a death blow here to contentment. We will cultivate gratitude. And it takes cultivate, it takes deciding. It takes a deliberate response. We will cultivate gratitude. Here, here's, the, here's the definition of envy. Check this out. <clears throat> what is envy? Envy is resenting God's goodness in other people's lives and ignoring his goodness in your own. Have I stepped on your toes yet? That's envy. That that is like the Bible definition of envy. Envy is resenting God's goodness in other people's lives and ignoring his goodness in your own. Because that's like the, the other side of the coin of envy. Not only are we looking at someone else and saying, why do they have that? We are ignoring all the good that God's done in our life. All the blessings that he has blessed us with. And so we have to cultivate gratitude in our lives. Proverbs 15, 15 puts it this way. For for the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast for the happy heart. Have you ever, you know, well, I, I don't even know if I want to say that, but, but here's your one. Have you ever seen people that get all wigged out by the 10-day forecast? What in the world? Weatherman, oh my goodness, 10 days from now, we're going to have rain. Have they ever been right? Ever 10 days ahead of time? Come on. And, and it's just that pessimistic outlook all the time. Listen, if you want total job security, here are two occupations. You can be wrong every time and keep your job. Be a weatherman or be a Bible prophecy expert. They never get it right. They never get it right. And we have some weathermen in the church. Sorry, I just I don't take it personal. But, but, 
The despondent every day brings trouble. It's like the springtime. The flowers are coming out. The sun is shining. This is fantastic. Yeah, but you know what? It's going to be a real hot August. I read the Farmer's Almanac. Well, thanks. Just take your rain cloud with you, will you? And the Bible's real clear. For those that are happy heart, life is a continual feast. We need to be grateful for what we have. Maybe it is going to be rain like, you know, uh, the flood of, of Noah 10 days from now. But for the next nine, let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy it. It's all about perspective. Happy heart life is a continual feast. Look at this. Solomon, who was the richest man in the earth in his time, he said it this way in Ecclesiastes 6, verse 9. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. He, he was the wisest man on earth at his time. And you know what? Isn't it interesting? He was also the wealthiest. He's got all that stuff. And what does he say? Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't. <laughs> he was the wealthiest, but there was still some stuff he didn't have. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't. So instead of I'm tired of my car, God, thank you for this car. Thank you that I've got a vehicle that can get me from point A to point B. My life is so crazy. I mean, I'm so, I gotta go here and I gotta go there and I get the kids to practice and I gotta go do this and I go do that. Thank God you've got options. So Susie and I have been to, to some places in the world together. They have no options. There's no sign up for Little League. There's, there's no games. There's no gyms. There's no parks. Thank God we have options. That our schedule's so crazy because we have a lot of stuff that we can do that are available to us. Thank God for that. My house is so small so tiny remember when you were praying for that house or that apartment and all you could think about was God please if I could just get into that apartment Susie and I were coming up on our <laughs> empty nest days come August and now we're kind of looking around like alright we got some empty bedrooms around here and we remember the day when we, we were praying for that one-bedroom apartment when we got married right over in Fishgill, 15A Fern Court in Fishgill. Man, those were the salad days. And they were some of the best days we've ever had. And that's what we keep kind of like looking back to now. Man, those are some great days. And you know what? It's going to be just us again. Instead of like, what are we going to do without the kids? We didn't, we didn't have those little boogers when we got married. They came afterwards. So we're excited about just the two of us. Again, learning to be content with our contents. If you don't like your job, do you know how many people wish they had a job today? Wish they had your job? That, that, that you're living someone else's prayer they're praying would happen for them? Cultivate gratitude. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just got done with Easter weekend, right? 
preached eight times in three days. But by the end of the 1230 service, I was drooling out the side of my mouth. I looked at my daughter. I couldn't even remember her name. I mean, I like marshmallow in my head, just totally. But you know what? I'm not going to complain. Because I remember years, our church was so small, we, we couldn't even fill up half the room here one time. Just praying, God, please. Now, if it means eight times on Easter weekend, I'll go eight times. I'm not going to complain. How could I complain? I, I, I hear some people say that sometimes. Well, you know, Valley's just getting too big. I guess it is. I guess it is because 32 people received Jesus Christ at Valley Christian Church since January. That causes a space problem. That's a problem we'll deal with. Last year, 105 people received Jesus Christ. Would we rather them not know our Savior? Uh, we, we need to just keep doing everything we can do to reach as many people as we possibly can with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. Not complain. Not complain that maybe finding a parking spot's a little bit harder than it used to be. We want to be cultivating gratitude Back to Philippians chapter 4, verse 12 and 11. Remember what he said. I have learned the secret. What's the secret? It's Jesus Christ. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. Through Christ's strength, through Christ's power, we can kill comparison and we can cultivate gratitude in our lives with his strength. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I don't think, myself included, I, I don't think there's anyone in the hearing of my voice that would say, you know what? None of that relates to me. I, I just can't connect with any of that. Because, Father, this, this human fallen condition that each of us has is so prone to comparing, to be discontent with our contents, with our, with our situation in life that we're currently in. Lord, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that, that Father, Christ's power is what will make the difference in our lives. Help us, Lord, to kill comparison, to do whatever we need to do to stop playing that envy game. Lord, to really repent of it when, when, when we feel ourselves slipping into daring to compare ourselves with others and what they have and what they're experiencing and what their life is. And Father, also, we need Christ's power to cultivate gratitude, to, to look at the blessings that you have given to us. And if you never do anything else, sending your son Jesus Christ to live a perfect life and to die the death that we deserve to take our place, our punishment on the cross so that we can receive forgiveness and rising again on that first resurrection Sunday so we know once and for all we have eternal life through his saving life, death, and resurrection. Father, help us to cultivate that gratitude. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.